0: Greetings and welcome to the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast series. Podcast episodes are available on VHHA.com and on popular podcast hosting apps, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, and many others. Episodes of the podcast also air each Saturday at noon and Sunday at 10 a.m. on 100.5 FM, 92.7 FM, and 8.20 a.m. across Central Virginia. Please send any questions, comments, or feedback to Podcast at VHSHA.com. Again, that's PCFpodcast at VHSHA.com. And today, we're excited to be joined by Corey Feist, the CEO of UVA Physicians Group and a co-founder of the Dr. Lorna Breen Heroes Foundation. We'll chat about the work of the foundation, its namesake, and more. But first, welcome to the program, Corey.
1: Thanks. Thanks for having me today.
0: Absolutely, it's our pleasure. So let's start by discussing your sister-in-law, Dr. Lorna Breen, an emergency department physician and hospital leader who was working on the COVID-19 front lines in New York City last spring and contracted the virus at a time when the initial patient surge was underway, when working conditions were overwhelming for so many providers, when testing was inadequate, when PPE was in short supply, healthcare staffing shortages were pronounced, and the nation was in uncharted territory facing a shutdown and a pandemic on a scale not seen in a century. The circumstances were challenging for so many people, perhaps none more than frontline providers. With that background, if you would, Corey, can you please tell us about Dr. Lorna Breen and ultimately what befell her after working under those difficult conditions? Absolutely.
1: Dr. Breen, first of all, was a Virginian. She went to the Medical College of Virginia and got her both master's degree as well as her medical degree and moved to Long Island uh, shortly thereafter to fulfill her dream of being a emergency room physician in Manhattan. Uh, so she did her training in emergency medicine and internal medicine at Long Island Jewish Hospital where she was double boarded. And then she took a position at Columbia University School of Medicine and worked at the New York Presbyterian Hospital for her career. In 2008, uh, she became the medical director of the Allen Hospital Emergency Department, uh, which is a very large emergency department in the New York Presbyterian system. Warna was an amazing person. She was as unique as her name in many ways. Always going on adventures, going to study for her board exams in far off places uh, where she could just live life to its fullest. Uh, she was the crazy aunt to eight nieces and nephews. Uh, <laughs> never married, but was was really an amazing woman. But even though Wanda was was an incredibly unique individual, her story was so typical of physicians. Really wanting to be a doctor her entire life, working tirelessly to achieve her goals and was really at the top of her game when she died in April of 2020.
0: Well, I appreciate you sharing that. And I'm sure you've heard this countless times, Corey, but let me express condolences on, on your family's loss. We know that the issue of uh, physician and provider burnout isn't necessarily a new topic, but it seems that there's perhaps heightened awareness of this phenomenon. There was a recent article in Vox that shared the story of Dr. Breen and Dr. Scott Jolly, emergency physicians who took their own lives as are enduring the stress of COVID-related working conditions. And that article cites data suggesting that at least 100 U.S. physicians and perhaps as many as three to 400 take their own lives each year. One way the foundation is working to address the emotional challenges and stress clinicians face is with bipartisan federal legislation that's pending in Congress to provide resources to support the emotional and mental well-being of health care providers. So if you would, can you just tell us about that legislation and what its current status is, Corey?
1: Absolutely. Uh, we are so incredibly honored and thrilled that U.S. Senator Tim Kaine from Virginia has been a, a just a phenomenal champion of this legislation since uh, we started talking to him shortly after was passing in April of 2020. Uh, the legislation is past its first big hurdle, which is the uh, Senate Health Committee. Uh, it passed by par- in a bipartisan 100% unanimous vote. It is headed now to the U.S. Senate floor. After it passes the U.S. Senate floor, it needs to be passed by the House of Representatives, the Energy and Commerce Committee is the committee of jurisdiction over the legislation. What's so exciting about this law are really two main things. First of all, this is first of its kind legislation. It's never been done before. It has bipartisan support and is bringing needed resources for the first time ever to support the mental health and well-being of the healthcare workforce, so that's it's an incredibly unique law. And the second part, which is even better, is that the money that is going to fund those programs in the Dr. Lorna Breen Healthcare Provider Protection Act is already out and been allocated. It was allocated early in the Biden administration in their first COVID relief package called the American Rescue Plan. Mm-hmm. So 140 140 million dollars has already been allocated out to Primarily to HERSA and to the CDC, so that they can provide the grants to health systems and other organizations to support the well-being of the workforce. So the work is already under underway. We need the bill to still pass, but it is the money is already being allocated out there. So we are just incredibly thrilled, and like I said, so fortunate to have Tim King's leadership, as well as the bipartisan leadership in the House and the Senate, really recognizing the contributions sacrifices that our healthcare workforce has made for us over the long term but in particular this past year.
0: Do you wish you could focus on practicing medicine without all the distractions? Covaris is here to help. As a leader in medical professional liability insurance with more than 45 years experience, Covaris provides insurance protection with data-driven predictive modeling to help you mitigate the risk of claims. By combining insurance protection with risk analytics services, you can reduce distractions and focus on improving clinical, operational, and financial outcomes. Covaris is reinventing what you should expect from your medical professional liability provider. Find out all Covaris can offer you at Covaris.com. that's C-O-V-E-R-Y-S.com. Insurance products issued by Medical Professional Mutual Insurance Company and its insurance subsidiaries, Boston, Massachusetts. And staying on the topic of burnout, this is, and and you mentioned this with some of the grant dollars that are already flowing, this is an issue that VHHA and its members are actively working on. As you know, Corey, uh, VHHA and ANOVA are partnering on the Care for Caregivers program to provide mental health support to Virginia clinicians. And obviously, we would strongly encourage any health care provider listening to this who's experiencing mental or emotional health challenges to contact that program and seek help. And you can easily Google that program. Again, the name is Care for Caregivers. Corey, I know you've been engaged um, on the Care for Caregivers task force and also participated in the 2021 Virginia Patient Safety Summit to really address this topic. As we think about this issue comprehensively and work on it in an effort to achieve widespread reforms, I wonder what sort of issues or planks stand out to you, You know, this could be categorized as a workforce issue in terms of clinical staffing shortages, a mental health issue uh, at a time when overall demand for behavioral health services is rising, or even a professional licensure concern, given the real fear some clinicians have about seeking help and how that could impact their future ability to practice. As you look out over the landscape, both of what's been done, what the foundation is engaging in, and then sort of some of the structural or systemic challenges that exist, how do you see those pieces fitting together and what other considerations are there, you know, in this broader topic?
1: What health systems need to be aware of is that there's at least two discrete things, but they overlap, but they're discrete, that are going on right now for the healthcare workforce. The first is this concept of burnout. You mentioned that burnout predated the pandemic. We now have a workforce that is more burnt out than it ever was before, but burnout is not a mental health condition. You know, 55% of the workforce right now is burnt out. It is a workplace condition, not a mental health condition, So what that means is that the ways to fix and address burnout are by changing the workplace environment. And what hospitals and health systems need to be aware of, and the initiative that we're helping the VHHA and and its partners lead right now, is that there are operational changes that need to come to bear in health systems right now to make the work environment a more provider-centered place, so that frankly they can eliminate as much bureaucracy in their day that gets between them and their patients. Mm-hmm. So that is the burnout conversation. The second piece is the trauma conversation and really the issues that ha- that our workforce, particularly those workers who have been uh, treating COVID patients this past year, have been facing. If you think about this, you had a burnt out workforce so they're, they had depleted resources going into the pandemic and many of them were taking care of COVID patients and exposing themselves in that process to repeated trauma every single day for the better part of a year. We've effectively sent this workforce off to war, exposed them to trauma, and now we're bringing them back. And so the byproduct of that is that those healthcare workers are now going through and experiencing the symptoms of PTSD and other mental health conditions which need support. The solutions here are really overlapping, but they are two different buckets of solutions. For burnout, it's not so much that the stigma of getting help is an issue. It's really that we we have a workplace condition, so we need workplace solutions to alter the, the environment, to make it better. And we're providing those tools through the Hospital Association Initiative. The second piece, the trauma piece, the depression that comes from trauma, the PTSD symptoms, those are mental health conditions. And so we've got to change the landscape to make it more accessible, And available to our healthcare workers and we need to go about that in at least two ways. The first is to reduce and eliminate what I refer to as the stigma reinforcers, the structural stigma reinforcers to be more specific that exist that prevent the healthcare workforce, particularly physicians and nurses from getting the help they need. Some of that is state licensure as you as you mentioned. Virginia has actually got a favorable licensure set of questions and reapplication questions for the healthcare workforce, but there are other things like credentialing applications when doctors and nurses go to work at hospitals, applications for malpractice insurance, and the list goes on and on. One of the things we're also very fortunate to have in Virginia is the Safe Haven Program, which provides confidentiality and protects the mental health records of healthcare workers who are in the middle of uh, malpractice lawsuits or other lawsuits where those mental health records might otherwise be discoverable. But the Safe Haven Program provides an avenue to protect the mental health record. So we've we've got a series of solutions we need to bring to bear to knock down these structural reinforcers. And then we've got to change the culture and make it okay for people to go get that treatment once we eliminate those. And as you might imagine, just like many other mental health stigma that exist, which are coming down around us, hopefully faster than in the past. The challenge we have is that the mental health stigma for those in healthcare is so deeply rooted. It's going to take everyone leaning in and having this conversation, being vulnerable in these conversations to say, I too need mental health support and I got it without fear of retribution from the institution that they work, from their peers, or from some kind of structural reinforcer like state licensure. So we've got these two issues, burnout, as well as trauma, the PTSD and depression that happens as a byproduct of the trauma and they're different solutions our foundation's working on both of those and trying to raise awareness for solutions for both of those but i want to make sure in your listeners mind that they keep these separate because they can easily be conflated mm-hmm. but they really are two separate issues
0: and that's great perspective, uh, particularly the trauma piece. That you know, as, as we reflect back on the past year plus of COVID, you know, we remember early on and in the ensuing months, you know, people rallying around healthcare providers, healthcare heroes, and praising them and thanking them and saluting them. But it's important to remember, as you point out, even after the glow of that praise fades these folks who were on the front lines were still dealing with all of the, you know, both the physical strain and the sort of lingering residual, as you said, trauma, that PTSD from from that. And it's important to recognize that the folks that are providing care, these are people too, and they have they have emotional and physical needs that, that also have to be looked after and addressed. So it's great perspective there. Corey, if people want to learn more about the Dr. Lorna Breen Heroes Foundation, what website or uh, online resource? would you direct them to to find out more and perhaps get engaged if they're so inclined?
1: Our website is DrLornaBreen.org. That's DrLornaBreen.org. When you go to our website, you can also follow us on social media. We have over 3,000 social media followers to date and a very extensive list of individuals who are trying to lean in and help us address these issues. What I would share with you is this is not a singular issue to doctors or nurses or techs. This is a healthcare workforce issue. And so we need to come together to support all of our healthcare heroes right now. And we would love any help or assistance from your listeners in achieving that goal. Well,
0: I appreciate you pointing folks to those resources, Corey. And now that we've tackled the serious stuff, I do have a few other questions for you to give our listeners a bit of a sense of who you are beyond the work that you do. Corey, the first, and this is an entirely imaginary premise, but in the hypothetical scenario that you could anticipate your final day on earth, what would your last meal be?
1: I grew up in South Florida, so I am a, I'm a big fan of uh, of seafood. So absolutely, some lobster, some seafood that is uh, maybe from Joe's Stone Crab down on South Beach, with uh, some nice coleslaw and of course a, a cold a cold beer.
0: That sounds delicious. Uh, the next question for you is, what's one post-COVID thing you're most looking forward to being able to do?
1: Embrace my colleagues uh, with a hug. Embrace those loved ones with a hug that I haven't seen in a long time.
0: Simple but powerful. And then finally, Corey, if, yes, you were, if you were stranded on a deserted island, what one book, one album, and one movie would you take with you to keep yourself company? We will spot you a copy of the religious text of your choice. So other than that, what are your three entertainment survival mm-hmm. kit picks?
1: Entertainment survival kit. That's a tough one. Um, as a child of the '80s, I've got to say uh, that Caddyshack is probably, you know, one of the great movies of all time. It never <laughs> gets old.
0: Mm-hmm. So I'm
1: gonna, I'm gonna go with, I'm gonna go with Caddyshack. I want you to kill every golfer on the course. Check me if I'm wrong, Sandy, but if I kill all the golfers, they're gonna lock me up and throw away the key.
0: Golfers, they're great, kid, not golfers, the little brown furry rodents.
1: We can do that. Anything from author. Dave Barry, who's a comedic writer Mm -hmm. for the Miami Herald. So any of his books there. And then I can't remember what was the last. So a book album is the third. Yes. Oh, an album. Oh, my gosh. Uh, The album is the key. I might have to say the U2 Joshua Tree album.
0: Okay. Well, Dave yeah. Barry's columns, his end of year columns, are for, for people who are aware are, are very enjoyable. So I appreciate uh, you yeah. being with us today and and sharing your thoughts and uh, and sharing more about the Dr. Lorna Breen Heroes Foundation. And with that, that's going to bring us to the close of another episode of the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast. If you like what you heard, please make sure to leave us a five star review on Apple Podcast and subscribe so that you know when new episodes are available. And we want to once again thank our guest Corey Feist, the CEO of UVA Physicians Group and a co-founder of the Dr. Lorna. Green Heroes Foundation for joining us today. So thank you, sir.
1: Thank you so much for having me and thanks to your listeners.